Arguably the most globally recognized mythical creature from Australia is the Bunyip, an important staple in Aboriginal folklore. This amphibious being poses a threat to all who travel near inland waters. Lurking in lagoons, deep water holes, swamps, and rivers, this predatory creature presents a clear danger to humans and animals alike. Generation X Paranormal. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back. Hey, everybody. So today is kind of an interesting one. You know, we're used to dealing with things here at home. Um, you know, I say home in the States is where I'm kind of kind of talking about. Um, and, and I think for me, usually, you know, we've got a lot of cryptids here. This episode, by the way, is about cryptid. It's pretty cool. But, um, but you know, we, we talk about cryptids, you know, of course you got the big ones, you got Bigfoot and, you know, even overseas, you got Loch Ness, Yeti and all the other ones. Right. Mm -hmm. But typically those are kind of really the only ones that I hear about. That doesn't mean that anybody else doesn't hear about them. It's just the only ones that I know of anyway. Um, but today we got a really special treat cause this one comes from the land down under. And if you don't know what that is, it's Australia, by the way, <laughs> but at any rate, um, so yeah, we're pretty excited about this one. Uh, we've got some, uh, uh, some folks out in Australia that do watch and listen to us. So we're pretty excited to get it out to you guys. I'm sure, I'm sure you guys got a lot more information about it than we do, mm -hmm. but, uh, but you know, we, we try to put together as much as we can. Nicole, of course, is a top notch researcher. So she got together, you know, what she could, and we're going to go from there. Mm -hmm. All right. So kind of moving along, uh, the Australian cryptid known as Bunyip which is funny because I think we looked that up a few times just to make sure to we're make saying sure. it right. Yeah. <laughs> comes, comes from Aboriginal folklore. Um, it is described as looking like an amphibian, having a long neck, round head, and a body like a manatee, which is just, it's interesting when you mm -hmm. think about a body of a manatee. Uh, it is said to have a very stinky smell, and it also says to make a roaring noise before it eats its prey, which I find that interesting because if you make a roaring noise, Mm -hmm. you would have to be probably already captured because if I heard a roaring noise, I would try to run. Well, yeah, but by then, they yeah. got you. It's too late. Mm -hmm. <laughs> anyway, uh, sometimes it's described as a dog-like or seal-like creature. Um, they have been described as being a big horse, or big as a horse and as small as a dog. That's um, very varied. Yeah, that's quite a scale. There's a lot of varied like descriptions. Sure. Yes. Well, that makes sense. Uh, they may have flippers, fangs, tusks, one or two eyes, shaggy fur, scales, or horns. Basically, it could be anything. Basically. <laughs> and I think it's, you know, from what they see, they're not close enough to really well, yeah. tell. And anybody that does get close enough doesn't live doesn't to tell. Live tell. To tell. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Well, the bunyip's hind legs are incredibly strong. It is for it. It. And its four legs are longer than its body, which um, kind of makes me feel like a spider type look. I don't know. I mean, it doesn't say it articulates that way, but it's just kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah. And natives claim that the bunyip uses its long arms and legs to kill its prey by hugging it to death. Wow. Like squeezing. Yeah. It's like smothering somebody. Mm -hmm. <laughs> when it's in the water, it swims like a frog. And when it's on shore, it stands up tall, which it could be around 12 to 13 feet. Yikes. Well, that's where the long 
legs, Jeez. arms come in. Yeah, man. I tell you what, if I saw something 14 feet coming at me, I probably wouldn't survive. I have a heart mm-hmm. attack. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the bunyip is rumored to lurk around swamps, billabongs, and creeks in the Australian outback. It is almost completely water dwelling. So that's why I think they can't get a good look at it because it's always in the water. Yeah. Mm -hmm. According to Aboriginal folklore, the bunyip waits in the water for passing livestock, women, and children to attack and devour. That's uh, that's pretty point blank. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The word bunyip itself is from an Aboriginal Aboriginal Australian word. Closest to the word or closest English word would be demon, devil, or evil spirit. That's um, kind of frightening. But according to those familiar with the Wemba Wemba, the Australian Aboriginal language from which the word is uh, derived, even those are probably inaccurate. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's sort of just like a quick background. Again, those folks that live out in Australia, you guys probably know a lot more than we do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I find it interesting that there's so many different. Descriptions. Yeah, different descriptions and accountings. Um, It would make it really difficult to, I guess, to spot. Well, I mean, honestly, any of those would be be scary all on its own. But But that's why I think they're not getting close enough. Sure. Well, it's like Loch Ness, right? I mean, a lot of people think they know what it looks like, but. Yeah, but it's not like Loch Ness. Well, no. 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 It's a bunyip. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. Okay, we're going to just skip right over that. <laughs> so there's been multiple sightings. And right. So I'm just going to go with the first one. And this was a a man named Jacques Marquette. Marquette uh, Jacques Marquette. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a French missionary, and this goes back to 1637. Wow. Okay. So this is the first recorded thing that I could find. Obviously, probably with the Aborigines. Yeah. There's earlier than that, sure. but as far as like documented. Right. Um, but and and this is a quote from him. Okay. So it's going to sound like old language <laughs> talk, okay? Okay. Sounds <laughs> That's good. That's the best way to say it. Okay. All right. So quote, while skirting some rocks which by their height and length inspire awe. We saw upon one of them two painted monsters, which at first made us afraid, and upon which the boldest savages dare not long rest their eyes, which I apologize for him even saying that. (laughs) They are as large as a calf. They have horns on their heads like those of a deer, a horrible look, red eyes, a beard like a tiger's, a face somewhat like a man's, a body covered with scales, and so long a tail that it winds all around the body, passing above the head and going back between the legs, ending in a fish's tail. Yuck. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's very descriptive. Yeah, no kidding. It's not like, you know, like he just spotted something and said, oh, it's this man with some scales. I mean, he's got some, he's got some detail there. Yeah, extreme detail. Oof. I mean, and that, I mean, it sounds like a mythical creature reading that description to yeah me. it does i can see that <clears throat> and then we'll, i'll probably talk a little bit more about this later but being half of a of a culture that is often considered savage um and that has mm-hmm. that has a lot of folklore behind it um 
and I'm going to get into what my personal beliefs are about this later, but um, I find it interesting that this is the first written accounting, but I guarantee it in, in Aboriginal folklore. And if there are Aboriginal folks that actually do watch our show, please, you know, de definitely let us know. But, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I find that interesting that uh, you're right. That term just seems kind of off-putting, but you're right. It was well, way of course back it was, so, I mean, yeah. that's what they said, but I'm apologizing for it now. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Um, so that's the first one. Okay. So the next one that I could find came from about 1818. Mm, okay. Um, some explorers named James Meehan and Hamilton Hume. Mm. They discovered large bones in Lake Bathurst in New South Wales. Okay. Okay. These are just bones. Right. They didn't see anything. Right. But they, obviously, they didn't call the creature a bunyip. No, yeah. Okay. But they described the remains similar to like a manatee or a hippopotamus. Hmm. So we don't know for sure that's what it was, but it needs to be mentioned that sure. they found these bones that, but they had, you know, described it previously as like a man, looking like a manatee. So. I mean, it's kind of, it's up to... You got to take any little thing like that right. and look at it. I mean, I don't know too much about the type of uh, of wildlife that is there, but is a manatee uh, an Australian? Uh, that's what I don't know. And, and I apologize. Are there manatees in Australia? And are there? I would imagine there probably yeah, is. I think you so. know. Mm -hmm. Um, and hippopotamus. So it wouldn't be off to think that. That's just a, a skeleton of one of those. But you're right. Since it was described at one point that it could have been manatee shaped or looked mm -hmm. like one. You're right. It has to be considered. Right. Right. So the next one, um, there was this English convict. Okay. And he escaped a penal colony near present day Melbourne. Mm -hmm. Claimed to have seen the Bunyip back in the early 1800s while he was living among the Aboriginal people. So he was living with the Aborigines at the time. According to William Buckley's account, the bunyip was an, quote, extraordinary amphibious animal with gray feathers covering its back, and it killed and devoured a woman from his adoptive community. Wow. So that means somebody's seen it. Right. And obviously, maybe they saw her getting attacked, or she just disappeared. I'm not really, there's no clarity there sure but obviously someone saw it to have that description yeah and that and that's the second time with the feathers that's interesting mm -hmm. um that almost sounds like dinosaur like doesn't yeah. it you know and, and i remember you know you think of like jurassic park and stuff like yeah. that you know they talk about the the dinosaurs as potentially being ancestors surviving. of the birds well yeah so but also surviving like right. that's one of the things about Loch Ness that they said mm -hmm. Yep. A fragment of a leg bone was discovered on the bank of Lake Kalangulak. I don't know if no. I'm saying that correctly. In southwestern right. Victoria in July of 1845. Okay. The bone was not decayed, suggesting the animal had died recently. And the diameter of the knee joint was more than 20 centimeters. Wow, that is a big knee joint. That's big. Yeah. I mean, that's really big. That's huge. Many thought the bone was from a dinosaur, though it is still unknown what species the enormous bone came from. But if there was no decay. Right. Unless it was preserved. Like fossilized? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Okay. They mean by that. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. 
Alleged encounters with a bunyip were also reported in New South Wales. Okay. Okay, where a skull thought to be for from a bunyip was found in Murrumbidgee. Yeah. I don't know what I'm that sounds right. That. Murrumbidgee. Murrumbidgee. Sure. In 1846, and it they displayed it in the Sydney Museum. Okay. Because they suggested it was you know from like a deformed cow or platypus, but hmm. the, that's the thing is they didn't have any testing and stuff at right. that point in time to figure it out. And I would wonder if they just immediately would go to, well, it could potentially be Bunyip. I doubt yeah. that that would be. Well, yeah, I think they put it in there like, oh, it could be this, 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 you know. Yeah. In 1847, so the next year. Okay. The Sydney Morning Herald reported an eyewitness encounter between a herdsman and a Bunyip. Okay. Okay. The man said it was as big as a calf with, quote, large ears, which it pricked up when it perceived him, had a thick mane of hair from the head down the neck and two large tusks. Hmm. He turned to run away, and this creature, equally alarmed, ran off too with an awkward, shambling gallop. So that description, to me, sounds almost like a hippo. Yeah. Um. Also kind of like a walrus. Yeah, with the tusks. With the tusks, yeah. and then with like, because the ears sound like the hippo, and the running like a hippo, the tusks like a walrus, but then the hair thing is throwing me off. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, you could imagine there would be like any living creature, there could be some kind of like uh, deformity. deformity, right? Yeah, but, but that's, that's a lot of deformity. That's quite a deformity. Mm -hmm. hmm. Interesting. Yeah. An image of a bunyip drawn by an indigenous man who claimed to have seen one in Victoria okay. was originally published in the Geelong Advertiser and shows the immense size of the fabled beast. Hmm. And I have a, a drawing of that, so we'll show it. Sure. You know. on the video. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, the, encounter was, the encounter was described by a Mr. Edwin Stock, Stockulaire. Stockular. Stockular. I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cool. And he was an artist okay. and beca and he became like what they call a naturalist. So he, you know, lived among nature and sure. would travel. Okay. Um, and he decided to sail down the Murray and Goldburn rivers in New South Wales in a canvas boat. Whoa. Okay. Okay. Brave, I think. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> He apparently spent much of 1856 and 57 doing this while um, he was also, like, I guess he was an artist, so he did sketches. Okay, so he's traveling, sketching mm -hmm. what he sees type stuff, yeah. And he would make these dioramas that he was, you know, he would work on and then display, basically. Okay. And he was going to display these in England of all the ones that he took in Australia. Okay. Okay. It was reported in the Moreton Bay Free Press of April... 15th, 1857. Okay. Although what he saw actually happened in March. Okay. So he saw it and then it took a month or sure. so, which back then. Yeah, I mean. It's not instantaneous. Not sending like text or anything, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So in 1857, in an article titled, quote, The Bunyip. Very clever. <laughs> yeah, clever naming. <laughs> right. <laughs> Is that how we're going to name this episode? The Bunyip. <laughs> a newspaper reported on the drawings made by Edwin Stockulaire. Amongst the latter drawings, we noticed a likeness of the bunyip, or rather a view of the neck and shoulders of the animal. 
Mr. Stockilaire informs us that the bunyip is a large freshwater seal having two small paddles or fins attached to the shoulders, a long swan-like neck, a head like a dog, and a curious bag hanging under the jaw. Bag? Curious bag? Like a turkey waddle or yeah. something? Or the, what's that one? The elephant seal? Don't they have that? Yeah. Okay. Kind sure. of thing. Okay. Interesting to call it a bag, though. Yeah. All right. Continue on. <laughs> Resembling the pouch of the pelican. Oh, there you go. Oh, I should have right. just finished that. <laughs> mop, mop. <laughs> the animal is covered with hair, like the platypus, and the color is a glossy black. Hmm. Okay. Glossy black. How is hair glossy? Well, I guess it could be. If well, if it's, it's water-dwelling, it's going to look wet yeah. all the time, I guess. It's weird. Though. It is weird. It's weird to, to spot it out as saying glossy. Yeah. But I guess it's just shining. Maybe the sun was shining. So Mr. Sockulaire saw no less than six of these curious animals at different times. That's six. That is a lot. His boat was within 30 feet of one near McGuire's punt on the Goldburn. And he fired at the bunyip, but did not succeed in capturing him. Good Lord. Talk about taking your life in your own hands. Mm, well, yeah. The smallest appeared to be about five feet in length, and the largest exceeded 15 feet. So that's the largest we've heard of. And he shot feet. at this thing. I guess. Dumb. The head of the largest was the size of a bullock's head. It's a bullock. Mm, I don't know what that is. I always hear people say bullocks, but I don't know what that is. And three feet out of the water. Okay. Okay. Right. After taking a sketch of the animal, Mr. Stockulaire showed it to several of the Goldburn tribes. So those must be Aborigines in sure. the area. Right. Who declared that the picture was Bunyip's brother, meaning that it was a duplicate or a likeness of the Bunyip. So hmm. like the Bunyip, but sure. a little bit different. Is what I'm guessing. Okay. Is what they meant. That makes sense. The animals moved against the current at the rate of about seven miles an hour. And Mr. Stockyler stated that he could have approached closer, but he was deterred by the stories of the natives concerning the power and the fury of the bunyip. Oh, but he'll shoot at it. Well, yeah, but that's at a distance. <laughs> okay. And by the fact that his gun had only a single barrel. All right. And his boat was of a very frail description. He was in a canvas boat. Right. Okay. I get it. But seriously, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it, you're here's the part that I find this interesting. And I'm, I'm probably dumbing this down a bit because I, I need to, to wrap my own head around it. But you describe this guy. He's described as a naturalist. He's an artist. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you think of this like... Oh, yeah. uh, I don't know. You think of it in my mind and it's probably not right, but you think of like this guy with a goatee and he's sitting there and he's, you know, sketching stuff up and I'm just going to get up in the morning. I'm going to sketch things and, you know, and he's going to take a gun and shoot at some 15 foot thing that he has no idea about. And, and by the way, six of them and there's six of them. I mean, well, people back then were more like frontiersmen. Sure. Even an artist was kind of rugged and, you know, would do stuff like that, but I don't know. I guess I just find myself, I find it hard to believe that somebody who's an artist who wants to be a naturalist and wants to get in with nature spots something that he's never seen before in his first. Well, know. he wants evidence. Okay. That's what it was. 
Fair enough. I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll move past it, but I just, I don't know. It just seems weird that an artist would do that. That wants to be a naturalist that, you know, Oh yeah. And I, and I did search extensively for this sketch that he said he made because he did go to England and he, you know, showed it off, but some of his work has disappeared now. So, I mean, some of his other art, you know, his drawings and stuff of that time period in Australia have survived, but not that. It's like it disappeared. So that's interesting. Mm -hmm. And when you you search for his name in the bunyip drawing, drawings come up, but it's not his. It's just other ones. So okay, were they of nature? Uh, His history, yes. Okay, yes. Oh, so at least he is doing what he he said he was doing. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, since the 1800s, scientists have been trying to explain what the true origins of the bunyip could possibly be. Some t- some scientists believe that the creature was a little more than an aboriginal cultural memory of a now extinct animals like Diprotodon is what I'm thinking, mm-hmm. um, which roamed Australia during the last ice age. So I guess they're just thinking that it's kind of a leftover a dinosaur. dinosaur. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this theory first proposed by Dr. George Bennett in 1871, but continued by modern era paleontologist Pat Vickers Rich and geologist Neil Archibald in their book, The History of Australia's Vertebrae Paleontology in the Early 1990s. So obviously they're trying to to further that claim. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, Vickers Rich and Archibald believe that the settlers saw a, <laughs> bear with me, a <laughs> dormon ithridige. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm no one butchering that, but anyway, it's now a prehist—it's uh, now an extinct prehistoric bird that was dubbed the demon duck by modern paleontologists. Demon duck. I mean, for a scientist to say demon, yeah, yeah that's kind of wild. Mm-hmm. Demon duck. I mean, look, I'll be honest with you, ducks. You know, you get close into close enough to them, they try to come after you. They're kind of demon duck anyway, but. That's just my thing. More like geese. Geese Geese are. Yeah, Yeah, there's a story behind that, by the way. We went to go visit her uncle (laughs) for the very first time. Keep in mind, I'm uh, more of a city rat. I've only become more um, country in the last, what, 10 years or so. Mm -hmm. But we pull up to her her uncle's house, and he had a goose. But, of course, me being the idiot that I am, (laughs) we walk up there, and I said, look at the size of that duck. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, (laughs) in 2017, scientist Carl Brandt again speculated on the bunyip's possible avian origin. Uh, Writing for the Australian bird life, the scientist claimed that the Aboriginal people had likely encountered a bird known as the cassowary, which resembles an American wild turkey (laughs) more than it resembles a mythical water creature in the deep. A wild turkey. Yeah. I mean that it looks more like that. I mean, people are just guessing. Yeah. Anyway, a manatee and a wild turkey. Okay. the The southern cassowary is described in an 1848 article in the Geelong Advisor and Squatters Advocate. I find that a very interesting title. Mm-hmm, it is <laughs> newspaper. It describes of a blue, bright blue egg, a colorful chest and a beak with serrated edges like the bone of a stingray. Yikes. Immediately reminded Brant of the southern cassowary, 
and its entire possibility that is what the aboriginals encountered so many years ago. I mean, sure. I mean, possibly, if they never got close enough. That's what I'm saying. It depends on how close they actually got to this thing. I mean, you know, and there are instances of, you know, native tribes, even our own here that, you know, sometimes they go a little overboard, you know, on their mythical creatures, but there's got, there's some basis of fact there. Sure is. You know, and the fact that we've, it's not just the Aboriginal people talking about it. You've got sites by these other explorers and stuff that said they saw the same thing. So, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, scientists always try to explain, well, it's got to be this. Right. Well, that's, but it's not always the case. That's a problem. Now, being somebody who is, who, who does appreciate science and who does appreciate these things, you know, you can only take science so far. Right. And if you pigeonhole yourself just into a scientific explanation, then you don't have a show about the paranormal. Right. And a turkey's not 15 foot long. <laughs> no. Anyway. The right. most, yeah. <laughs> the most commonly accepted explanation for the creature was provided in 1933 by Australian geologist named Charles Fenner. Fenner paid close attention to the description of the creature with a long neck, round head, and a body like a manatee and came to a pretty simple conclusion in his world-renowned book, Bunyips and Billabongs. The cryptid was most likely on, based on a southern elephant seals and leopard seals that frequently make their way up the Murray and Darling Rivers. I mean... I could see that more likely. I don't know where the hair's coming in, though, because they still don't. But the ele- those elephant seals have that. Yeah. I mentioned it earlier. Right. You know? The bag. The, the bag. Yeah. And right. they're huge and they yeah. do make sounds and they're they're big and they do kind of like stand up. Yeah, but fourteen feet. They're pretty big. Yeah. I don't know if they're that that big. But you know, when you're terrified of something, sure. it always it seems bigger than what you think. And if they're at a distance, they could be misjudging it. Yeah. And if part of it's in the water. No, that makes sense. And water does does kind of give you like a refraction, mm-hmm. so it makes things look bigger than they really are. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, I'll give that its due, right. for sure. Um, it is believed that the bunyip made booming and roaring noises when it was told to kill people, especially children and women. Hmm, okay. The origin of this belief could be found in the appearance of seals that were far upstream from their regular course and booming noise of the of the bitten marsh bird. Okay. Yeah, so there's a bit bittern marsh bittern. bird. Sorry. Not the bitten one. <laughs> Mouth rolled. The bittern marsh bird. Okay. So it makes like a booming sound. What is a booming sound? I don't know what that is. Well, you know when you see these elephant seals, you know how they're like when they land Okay. On the ground, and okay. they kind of roar. They make that roaring sa- sound, okay. you know? Yeah, okay, I, I follow So now. they're combining the s- two sounds together. You know, like when you're out in a wetland like that. Sure. And you hear different animal sounds. They're probably putting all that together and thinking it's one thing, when it could be possibly multiple things. Sure, I can concede that for, mm-hmm. for sure. Okay. I just didn't know that they had elephant seals. In Australia. 
that was a surprise to me. Yeah. I mean, I guess when you think about it, their ecosystem, they kind of have everything there. They do. They've got yeah. forests. They've got, obviously, they've got ocean. They've got desert. desert. So they've kind of got their own world ecosystem right there. Everything right. that's kind of represented throughout the world could inevitably be there, I guess. Well, and it sounded like to me that most of these, you know, witness statements came from New South Wales. Okay. So that must be just a marshy area. Right. Okay. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Now, I've never been there. I've been to the southern part of Australia and I've been to Sydney um, and I didn't see anything like that. Of course, they're just big cities. Um, so the most we saw were just kind of ocean and shores. So I, I really don't have a point of reference for that. So then where exactly is the outback supposed to be located? Then? Now, keep in mind, this is me doing stupid math because I've only been there twice. Um, I think it's more in the center, I think. So I was that's in, more like the desert yeah, type area. Yeah, more the desert. Now, I think Aboriginal obviously live pretty much everywhere in that. But mm -hmm. I think the outback or the bush, so to speak, mm -hmm. is sort of in that area. Okay. Of course, I could be 100% wrong, and if that's the case, I'm terribly sorry. But um, keep in mind, I went to Sydney, and I went to Fremantle, and I went to Perth. And then we went to Hobart and Tasmania. So I I just got to see big cities, right? Yeah. But um, that's my understanding of it. Yeah, so this is being seen wherever the marshy part is. Right. Which I'm guessing is all New South Wales. I think it's towards the south. I could be horribly mistaken, though. I'll put a map up on the on the video just so we can get a better clarity on it. Yeah, yeah. So, as far as today, I mean, what I saw is that that you guys can you know comment and let me know. Um, but from what I saw is that most people in Australia don't necessarily believe in this thing anymore. Right. right. And they kind of use this word bunyip as like a description for like. In a derogatory term against <laughs> other people, you know, basically. Um, now, I don't know about as far as the Aboriginal people. Right. It, I would imagine that they still believe, at least to an extent, you sure. know, because those legends and stuff pass down. Right. Um, but many First Nations stories of the Bunyip describe the creature as a sharp-tusked man-eater. Yikes. Okay. okay. But in 1934, a sculpture by the Australian artist Gerald Lures, the bunyip is a mysterious but not necessarily terrifying presence. It resembles a grazing animal, recalling a reconstruction of the extinct Diprotodon, which was a grazing marsupial that lived in Australia until about 10,000 years ago. Okay. Fossils of Diprotodon were sometimes interpreted as the remains of bunyips. Okay. So they have this sculpture and we have a picture of it. Um, mm -hmm. I put it up and that's kind of what's in the, you know, right. Museums and stuff. Well, what do you think? Do you think there's, do you think there's this cryptid out there that may look different at different times? Do you think it's complete hogwash? Do you think there's a, a combination? What is your opinion? So here's my opinion and it's going to be a bit of a lengthy one and I apologize. <laughs> So sorry, everybody. <laughs> hey, <laughs> but anyway, so I believe in a lot of different things when it comes to this. I believe that could 
could the Aboriginal people be seeing this? Because remember, they've been there this entire time before it was settled by penal colonies. And remember, Australia in its history was settled by penal colonies. They had, a, mm-hmm. I think, what the English and, and some of the other people would send their people to um, to Australia to basically run these huge penal colonies for people who were, you know, not so savory. What they considered their criminals. Right, they're criminals. So mm-hmm. the Aboriginal were there long before that. And I think that, you know, and of course, this is completely depending on what you believe. And I don't want to step on anybody's toes as far as life cycle and things that 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 evolve. I know that's kind of a touchy word sometimes, but I'm just going to use it loosely. I think could there have been a creature during that time frame that could have could have sort of fit that bill a little bit? Absolutely. I'm sure that maybe this um, this uh, bird or this marsupial they were talking about went through a series of evolution and they would they would sometimes they would sometimes mistakenly say that's bunyip. Or maybe they think they believe that is Bunyip. And I think during these times, Aboriginal people, you know, anytime you live, um, you know, uh, in that type of culture where, it, where it's tribal, things happen. People go missing. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure it's very difficult to understand and try to wrap their heads around, especially during that time. So they kind of needed something to, I don't want to say blame, but something that, that would sort of fit that boogeyman persona. Yeah, I um, see that. And that happened. That happens a lot, even in native culture here. Um, I think that also that also lends into a little bit in what I believe in potentially shape shifting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you if you follow uh, you know Northern American native folklore, and it's not just here; it's worldwide shape shifting. They just call it different things, right? You know, you look at these things and you say, okay, could could it have shape-shifted if you believe in that sort of thing? Um, could this be a shape-shifter? Yeah, I mean, potentially. You, we, can't, we, can't, we can't concede the fact that if we are going to agree it, it, it exists in North America or anywhere else in the world, then we can't arbitrarily discount that it couldn't happen here in this case. Um, again, that completely... That completely resides on if you believe in such a thing. Mm-hmm. I also think that it is such a vast area. You know, we just talked right. about how many different, um, you know, some desert, some, you know, we, we discussed that, you know, there's still so many creatures that even in North America that I guarantee you we've never seen. There are parts of Michigan and there are heck, even parts of Missouri that I'm sure there are creatures out there that we have never seen before. Mm-hmm. Well, even in the depths of the ocean. Right. Mm-hmm. Like the giant squid, we always ex- we expected it to be there, and then lo and behold, it happened. So could this be one of those? I mean, potentially. Right. I, I think that so many things can be true at the same time. Do I think it's this huge man-eater? I would imagine that... Humans are stupid. I'm sorry. Spoiler alert. I'm sure we were doing something dumb one day and we're trying to provoke whatever animal this was. And it probably did what it was supposed to do and, and level set expectation. <laughs> well, and like if it, if it's an elephant seal, they could kill you. Oh, of easily. Course. They're very, I mean, they're large. Right now. And they make a sound. Yeah. They make a, a roaring sound. That's true. I mean, for me, I think if it's not 
something like that, mm-hmm. if it's actually based on something we already know about, my first guess is the elephant seal. Sure. Or maybe like a, like a, a, I don't know, like a mutation of an elephant seal or something like that. Or you just think straight up elephant seal. I just think straight up elephant seal. However, the, some of the weird descriptions and I don't know the hair, like yeah. the, that, the, I don't know. That's the thing that's throwing me off from this is why do they think they're seeing hair? Because when I think about what an elephant seal looks like, there's no part of me that even from a distance would that look like hair. Right. And that's kind of why I said the potential like of the like feathers. A, yeah. Which is why I said maybe like a, a mutation of the elephant seal or. But a bird, it, it would. Oh, yeah. A bird sure would. Unless it is some prehistoric animal that's still hiding in the depths. Yeah. Or at least it was at one point in time. It may not exist anymore. It, right. It's probably gone extinct by now. Like right. In today's. But back in the 1600s when that guy saw what he saw, the French guy. Right. I mean, could yeah. it have still been here? It could have still been here. Well, and we just, you just talked about the fact that there have been no recent sightings, at least not recorded or anybody right. said anything. Now, of course, uh, the Aboriginal, they, they may still have sightings or, or things that they mm-hmm. have said that they've seen. Um, but as far or at as. at least access to the. I was able to find. Right. That doesn't mean it's not being talked about in Australia. Right. And again, anybody who is in Australia, Aboriginal or anyone else. If have you, you seen one? Yeah, have you seen one? <laughs> I mean, uh, this is kind of. I'd be the, curious to know, right. honestly. This would be yeah. a great spot in which you could, you know, email us uh, uh, up and say, hey, no, we've actually got an accounting from this date or or anything, pictures, whatever you've got, by all means, info at gxparanormal.com. Send them our way. Mm-hmm. We'd love to see them. Um, but, yeah, I mean, go on. I, I mean, uh, Well, no, I mean, I, I just think, I just see this as kind of almost in related to the Loch Ness Monster because, you know, there has been multiple sightings. That one's been multiple sightings over the years, and I still, that's an episode I can't wait to do. <laughs> um, we may need two parts on that one. Yeah, but, it, you know, their main guess is that it was like, a dinosaur that, that right. you know, somehow didn't die and was still living in, in the lock, which is a lake right. for anybody in Scotland, they say lock. Um, and I, I think that it could be related here. I mean, you think about these remote areas right. in certain countries where these animals can hide in these marshes and stuff. And you've really only got like, I mean, you've got the Aborigines that could see it, but most people aren't going to believe them. They're going to think they're being hysterical or whatever, mm. but they're the closest source to that. So if they believe yeah. that this thing is real, I'm more keen to believe them. Well, sure. um, just like our, you know, our native tribes in America, mm-hmm. they have, you know, these stories that they pass down generation to generation. And we're starting to find out now, you know, people that have gone to investigate, Oh, they were right yeah. this whole time. We just, thought they had all these crazy, you know, witchy stories about this or that. And it's all made up. We're going to prove it by science that it doesn't exist. Well, now science is trying, you know, proving that they were right. Well, so I mean, I don't want to say that it's completely made up, especially with anything, anything we talk about, but any cryptid, because there's, they could hide. Yeah. You know, 
Well, I there mean, may be explanations for certain things, but you don't have an explanation for everything. No, no, absolutely not. And and that's kind of more to the point. I mean, only because this is Hollywood eyes, and I apologize, but I was a big fan of the Mel Gibson movies, you know, Mad Max and all those. Well, they were filmed in Australia, and they were filmed in in very desolate areas. And if you look, if you watch any of those things, I mean, there's nothing there now granted this was a long time ago so it could be built up by now but mm -hmm. i think there's so much of australia especially in the outback that is so i guess not really uh studied or if studied just there's so much still there you know so yeah you're right i mean it could have been that it existed for some time it, it may or may not still exist but and we may run into you know anthropologists may run into this when they're digging something up out there. I mean, it's possible. Yeah. And I'm ashamed to admit it. I don't know anything. The most I know about Australia and I apologize <laughs> is from crocodile Dundee. Yeah. I mean, that, that movie was big when I was a kid and yeah. I loved it, you know, cause it was my first like glimpse. Oh, you know, right. And you saw the crocodiles and you know, it was my first introduction to an Ab Aboriginal people, yeah, and um, you know the big snakes and stuff, and sure, you know they really depicted that, yeah. like how desolate. And I, you know, I liked Mick Dundee because yeah. you know he saved the kangaroos because those true. guys were hunting there; they were going to kill the kangaroos. Yeah. And he came and you know got rid of them. And that's a knife. I'm I'm a nature protector, so <laughs> an animal protector. So I was yeah. I was happy with that movie. Um, so I apologize. That's the only reason I really know much about it. But, you know, with not not being there and, and actually seeing it. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, that's, you know what you see and that's well, what sure. you hear. So, yeah, of course. And you're somewhat bound by that. Mm -hmm. You know, no, that makes sense. But this was something that I had never heard of before. Yeah. Um, and you know that there's different. Every country has their own mm -hmm. things. Just um, like Bigfoot. You know, yeah. Like we have. Different... Our, yeah. You know. Like Chupacabra, stuff like that. Those are the big ones. You know, Loch Ness Monster, those are the big ones. Um, but these are like the local ones that only certain local people are going to know. And I, I ran across it. And I'm like, that's very interesting. I'd like to talk about that. Well, the thing with cryptids, and I will say this every time we do a cryptid show, because it's true. It is the only facet of paranormal that has ever, well, I shouldn't say ever been proven, but it's the only one that science has proven. Mm -hmm. because, you know, we always assumed there was a giant squid, found it. We didn't know about the Komodo dragon. It was always one mm -hmm. of those things where it was like, oh, Komodo dragon. Well, they went to Komodo Island, and guess what they found? Yeah. So, I mean, it's not unprecedented that, that it could be found. Well, yeah, they're still finding new species of yeah. frogs and, mm -hmm. like, in the jungle and stuff like that. So I'm never going to say no that there's no way that this thing exists. I may be more keen to believe something. But this, I mean, this is not out of the wheelhouse. No, not at all. I mean, my only opinion is if it's if it's a real animal, it's probably the elephant seal. That right. makes the most sense. But I don't know. The feather thing is throwing me off. And yeah, like the, the head like a dog and, and this and that. And I'm like, okay, well, elephant seal doesn't look like a dog in no. any way. Um, but that was the first thing I th when they said the, the bag. The bag. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, the elephant the seal gobbler. has that. Yeah. Like a turkey. Yeah. No, that makes That's sense. That's why. Which is a bird. With a turkey. Yeah. Uh -huh. The gut. Yeah. Hmm. The gobble or whatever. They say. 
the gobble. <laughs> the gobble. I was calling the gobble. <laughs> the waddle. <laughs> well, folks, I mean, here we are again. It's one of those things where we sort of just bring you bring you a story, bring you some accountings of something that, that's out there that's been reported. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're happy to do something that's not stateside, which is great. Um, we do have Australian viewers and listeners, so we're excited to bring that. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, I said it in the show, info at gxparanormal.com. If you have any questions about it or if you have seen it or you just want to send us pictures of just that, by the way, nothing else. Uh, if you want to send us pictures of that or just want to reach out to us, that'd be great about this particular episode. Mm-hmm. Or if you have a cryptid where you live. That's right. And you want to talk about it. Email us too. You know, we yeah. can have you on the show and absolutely and tell us all about it because there's multiple out there that most of us don't know about. Yeah, I'm sure there's for every for every story out there, some people can blame that on cryptid. You know, different mm-hmm. paranormal things, even alien stuff. They've even said some cryptid things beyond that. So, oh yeah, there's a a, a deep dive mm-hmm. you can go into down yes. that way. <laughs> Look yeah. up mantis. <laughs> but uh, but anyway, listen, uh, real quick, um, we're absolutely proud and happy to see, uh, you know, our views and everything are going up. And uh, wherever you find us at, whether it's whether it's on YouTube, Facebook, Spotify, any of those, if you would please follow us or subscribe or whatever it is for that platform, that'd really help us out. Um, we do get a lot of views, which is fantastic, but it would really help us out if you guys would actually do that. So if you could, that'd be great. Um, aside from that, I mean, anything else about this one? Nope. All right. It's up to you to decide whether you believe it's real or not. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Other than that, we'll see you guys next time and have a good day. Good day, mate. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Had to say it. (laughs) Music by Carl Casey at White Bad Audio. Check out our YouTube at Generation X Paranormal. Also, check out our Facebook, Generation X Paranormal Podcast. Love to have you. See you then.